coordination and bounds built to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments, and experience. Work back Magnesium is naturally found in foods like. This is the Well and Good podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. I don't want to speak for everyone listening, but I personally think lifestyle creep is something that most of us are suffering from. If you're not familiar with the term, it's basically when you make a little bit of money, you buy yourself a little something, make a little bit more money, you get yourself a new apartment, make a little bit more money, or maybe you don't, get yourself a new car. Whatever the things are that you're spending more money on, you're letting the elements of your lifestyle outweigh your ability to save more, invest in your future more, and you're spending a little bit more money on the right now. When it comes to lifestyle creep, in the modern era, the age of social media, TikTok, Instagram, it's harder than ever to shut your mind down and try not to keep up with the Joneses. These days, we're literally keeping up with Kardashians. But how can we avoid it? Particularly in this world that's constantly bombarding us with images of the better life how we could or should be living as long as we're willing to spend just a little bit more. On today's episode, our guest, Vivian Tu, a former Wall Street trader turned financial literacy advocate, shares her expert insights on how to maintain financial stability while still leading a fulfilling lifestyle. She provides her actionable tips and strategies to help you break free from that lifestyle creep trap and secure your own future, both financially and personally. If you do not have an emergency fund, And if you look at your finances and realize that even though over the years you've made more money, but you don't have any more saved or invested or money that is going to take care of future you, that's probably a red flag that you are experiencing lifestyle creep. If you get asked to do activities from friends that you immediately get this feeling in your gut and you're like, I don't know if I can afford to do that, but then you do it anyway. It's probably lifestyle for you. Hi guys, I'm Vivian Tu, aka Your Rich BFF and your favorite Wall Street girly. I teach personal finance for the next generation and I'm taking the shame and judgment out of talking about money. I will show you how to budget, how to save and how to invest. You can find me across social media as Your Rich BFF and I'm really excited to talk with you today, Ella. We are very excited to have you. We are going to be talking about lifestyle creep today. As as you know, and I think this is this is a topic that's kind of top of mind for me these days. I feel like I'm at the age where I personally like, you know, I'm married. You both make pretty good money. And I have like this weird secret spending guilt about any money I spend, yet I consistently <laughs> spend money. And I think it's tied up in so many things. So if you can kind of like define what lifestyle creep is and you know, how it's become so pervasive and how big the impact has gotten. Yeah. So lifestyle creep is just a really fancy way of saying you start making a little bit more money. So you start spending a little bit more money. And at the end of the year, you've realized that even though you have leveled up in terms of your career and your income, you're no better off financially than you were when you were making less. And it happens to, I promise you, everyone. It's happened to me. It's happened to your best friend. It's happened to everyone. And it's really hard. But if we make active steps to combat it, it is something that you can avoid. The big example that I'm sure a lot of the listeners are probably relating to is you graduate college, you move to this 
city. You're like, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to have this job. And you start your career at the bottom of the totem pole. And you're like, help me, I'm poor. And like, you literally just like live your sad little life. And in my case, I was sharing a studio apartment with my roommate at the time. And, you know, I barely had like two nickels to rub together. And then the year after I started to make more money. And the year after that, I made more, more money. And I had like a really big salary jump. And then I got a nicer apartment and the apartment doubled what I was paying in rent every single month. And I started buying nicer clothes I started treating myself to nicer dinners. I was not shy about gifting myself a new bag at the end of the year. I actually was, was very fortunate. I had a good roommate. We decided to move from apartment one to apartment two together. And it wasn't until we had a horrible, terrible New York City cockroach infestation in our apartment where our evil landlord, oh who shall not be named because I don't want to get sued, they wouldn't let us out of our lease. We literally showed them video footage of us capturing 20 cockroaches in the span of like 30 minutes. And they were like, well, you signed the lease and they wouldn't let us out. Oh my God. She and I ended up spending $8,000 to break our lease. And that wiped my entire first bonus on Wall Street. It wiped a lot of my emergency fund. And I had to take a long, hard look at myself and be like, how did this happen? How is it possible that you are now, you know, a year, two years into your career and no better off than you were when you moved to New York City with nothing? And it was not an easy conversation to have with myself. Yep. And I think like that right there is lifestyle creep. What I think is to me where like I really resonate with that story is not just the fact that like you're you know, you're like, shit, I spent all my money. I have no savings left. Can I even afford my deposit on my next apartment? But it's also, you've gotten to a point in your life where your social life, especially if you live in a big city, revolves around going out to eat and spending money and, you know, shopping. And it's really hard to have that conversation with yourself, not just because you feel like kind of an idiot because you didn't save enough money. I say that in air quotes because I think there's a lot wrong with that statement. But also, you don't really want to change your lifestyle because it's a lot harder to say, hey, I can't come to dinner tonight when you've started to spend that way versus young you in the shared bedroom, your friends and you are all on the same page trying to save as much money as possible. Nobody has any money to spend. But we get to this point with each other where we're sort of like upping the ante on like what's normal and what's acceptable for the average night out. Can you kind of like paint the picture of what are the things we should, could be doing to set us up for success if we have a big cockroach emergency? So I think first it comes down to budgeting and I know budgeting is like a four letter word. It's not obviously, but like, you know what I mean? It it seems like something that tells you no, 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 no. And none of us like to hear no, but I want people to like reframe their mindset around budgeting because it's a way to say yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. To that vacation you want to go to. Yes. To that new designer bag you want to get. Yes. To, you know, going to dinner with your girlfriends but you have to plan for it. Mm -hmm. And I think a really easy strategy for budgeting is called the 50, 30, 20 method, where you allocate 50% of your take-home pay to needs. So I'm talking rent, mortgage, groceries, or just like basic stuff to keep you alive. Then you put 30% towards wants. And that is the trip to the nail salon. That's getting drinks with your girlfriends. That's the happy hours. That's the going to the movies, going to that concert you want to see. 
and 20% to paying down debt, investing, and saving. And you will see lifestyle creep, lifestyle inflation happen when people start to cut out that 20% and then it's 50% needs and 50% wants. Because I don't think people want to spend more than they need to on the needs because that's not fun. It's the wants that are really, really fun. But in terms of why that 20% is so important is because it sets you up for success in the future. It's today you taking care of future you. And, you know, I think the first step to financial success, I always say, is doing the strip method. And people are like, oh, what should I do to make money? I'm like, you should strip. And they're like, what? Um, (laughs) S actually stands for savings. Three to six months of living expenses. Because if you do not have that emergency fund, when your apartment does inevitably become roach infested, when the tire rolls off of your car, when, you know, your roof caves in, when you break your leg going skiing, like you will need that money. And if you don't have that money, it's going to cause more problems for you in terms Mm -hmm. of debt. And then let's follow through the rest of the strip method. So T stands for total debt. Total debt, you're going to rank your debt from highest to lowest interest rate. And this is important because the interest rate is essentially the rate at which your debt grows. So things like credit cards, you're looking at 20 to 25% interest rates, which are sky high. So you want to pay that down ASAP Rocky. Things like your federal student loan debt, which might have a 2 3 4% interest rate on it, you can put that on the back burner. It's not going to grow as yeah. fast as your credit card debt. So not all debt is created equal. You've got mortgages that people got at the end of 2021, which have a 2% handle on them. You've got people who are getting mortgages now that are closer to 6 7%. And depending on where your debt is, you're going to rank it highest to lowest interest rate and pay it down that way. Anything above 7% is top priority. Anything below that is back burner. Once you're done with all of your high interest rate debt, and you have, you're only focusing on the stuff on the back burner, you're also going to want to start investing for your future. You're going to start with R, retirement. This is planning for future you. This is contributing to your 401k. This is starting an IRA or a Roth IRA. This is making sure that you have a plan for your retirement. And I invest. I think the big mistake people make here is they'll open a 401k or an IRA or Roth IRA. And they're like, I'm good. No babes. Like you got to put money in and then you got to pick investments. Make your money work for you. Yeah. You have to buy stuff with that money. And whether that is investing in that traditional sense or investing in yourself, whether that's learning new skills Mm -hmm. so that you can get a better career, it's investing time in processes that are going to make you more and more valuable so that you can earn more and more money. That's what investing means. And then last but not least, P is plan. You do not get to have your happy ever after. You do not get to ride off into the sunset. You do not get to retire on the beach in Florida with a margarita in your hand and sunglasses on your face and a little bit of a sunburn on your shoulders unless you have a plan and you should write it down and you should tell it to someone. Whether that's your mom, whether that's your friend, whether that's your significant other, whether that's just a random person, you need to put that information into the ether because it's going to help hold you accountable. And if you follow that process, mm-hmm. you should hit financial success. Yeah. So should we should all be strippers. I love this. But it is so funny that there's something about like talking about 
financial, whatever, wellness, success, that you're like, I can learn this. I can do this. Cause it does sound so easy, doable until you start to actually have to live your life according to these rules. Why do you think we have such a hard time kind of sticking to the 50, 30, 20 rule or any rule like that? Cause it does seem so simple. Yeah, it is, but we're humans. Mm-hmm. We are not logical thinkers. We make decisions based on emotion. And back in our parents' and grandparents' era, they struggled with this too. But it was keeping up with the Joneses. You would look across the street with your little binoculars and you would be like, hmm, Mr. Jones got a brand new TV. That's really nice. I want one. Or did he get a new lawnmower? I want one. Or did they just get a new car? I want one great. You're comparing yourself to someone who likely has a similar socioeconomic class, lives in your community, and probably has a similar job to you. Nowadays, it's not keeping up with the Joneses. It's keeping up with the Kardashians. You get on your phone Mm -hmm. and you see A-list celebrities showing you the very innermost details of their lives on social media. You see creators talking about what they're buying, what they're spending. And you even see your friends showing off as if they were those types of people as well. And Social media has really become this highlight reel that is genuinely unattainable because you are only seeing the best, most exciting, most luxurious, most lavish parts of every single person's life. I promise you that is not one full, complete life. That is the best parts of every single one. You are not seeing that time when somebody's credit card got declined. You're not seeing those things. You are seeing things that are truly unattainable because I always say this. You can afford anything, but you can't afford everything. Mm -hmm. And social media shows you everything. It's not like you're saying, oh, I want that one thing I saw. You want everything that you saw. And I think there's another part of it that's even complicates it further, which is say you're looking at some rich celebrity who you really like and you, they, you know, they look how you think you want to look and they Mm -hmm. live a life that you think it's how you want to live. Sure. You can't afford their mansion, but you can't afford their skincare. You can't afford those jeans that they're obsessed with. And there's all these little things that we feel like we need to achieve the life we want. And does that add up? Um, There's an actual saying that Designer luxury brands don't actually really market to ultra wealthy people. They market to the middle class and they do so by putting their products on ultra wealthy people. They market then to the middle class that wants to look ultra wealthy or feel ultra wealthy. And so you see these influencers getting gifted the new uh, Louis Vuitton collection with Yael Kusama. And that's great. But then you're going to see a bunch of people who are in the middle class, upper middle class, maybe even you know lower income, go out and buy that bag because these celebrities have it. And the celebrities didn't pay for that. That was free for them. And on top of that, your income is a tiny fraction of what they're making. So even if they did buy something like a Birkin bag, the percentages are what's really, really important because you have to make sure that that is an appropriate percentage of your expenses. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to think about it. All right, let's come back to ladies and how everybody told us to just stop buying those cappuccinos and we make more money. Why do you think women are talked down to about their money? Do you think lifestyle creep inadvertently affects women more? And um, 
how do we cut the crap and just get smart about our finances? Yeah. So growing up, we talk about money very differently to men and women. And young women are told that we are overspenders. We love to splurge. We love a shopping spree. Like make sure you cut back on those expenses. Whereas men are taught to grow your wealth, be powerful, rise the ranks, succeed in your career. And you're hearing this, right? Like these are two very, very different tones. And what's actually hilarious is that women are the actual financial powerhouses in the vast majority of American homes. You hear marketing execs talk about them and call them household CEOs because regardless of who in the family is making the money, it's typically a woman who is making those really important buying decisions. They are the ones comparing the products at the store. They are the ones calling around to shop for whatever insurance. And it's crazy to me because the best piece of advice that I ever got from my mentor, who is a woman, is that you can only save and invest as much as you earn. You can always earn more money. And we've told women to cut down on every single little expense to save money that would ever in, an, in the world bring them an ounce of joy, which is so shitty. But for men, we've told them to get a better job, to get paid more, demand more at that table. And guess what? It's a lot easier to find 10,000 extra dollars by making 10,000 extra dollars than it is to cut down coffee because I actually did the math and people were like outraged. If you get a $5 coffee from your favorite coffee's place every single day at the end of the year, it's like $2,000. $2,000, what are you doing? Buying a house? Yeah. You're not. Okay. You cannot, you you're not even safe from house. the cockroaches. Yeah. You're not even safe from the cockroaches. Like, that $2,000 might be the difference between whether or not you enjoy your commute to work or you dread going into the office mm -hmm. every day. And I am not going to be the person, certainly, to tell people that they cannot have the one thing that is bringing them joy in this capitalist you know, society. Like, you are allowed to have that. But we do need to be really cognizant as women that marketing and advertising do target us harder because we are these buyers. And two, there's just more typically expenses associated with being a woman. And the stat is that in a lifetime, women will spend the equivalent of four years tuition and board at Harvard on beauty. Which is a lot of money. On beauty and upkeep. So I'm talking things like makeup, skincare, hair care, Botox, lip filler, you know, whatever you want to do. But like, that's just on keeping women looking how society has told us we need to look to get that better job, to succeed, to be that person who is able to have it all. So is it frivolous spending? Not necessarily. These are the things that we generally feel and actually have statistically been proven. If you look a certain way, you are going to perform better. You're more likely to get that raise. You're more likely to get that job. So Yes, women do spend more money, and in, in a certain sense, it is necessary. Yeah, well, while also being shamed right. for spending money on ourselves, because that's what it comes down to. Like, sure, I don't know, do we need the $90 serum? The $30 serum might work just as well. That's not going to change our life in the, at the end of the day. It's 
there's so much more emotional baggage learning how to like advocate for ourselves, ask for money for ourselves. It's going to make a much bigger difference than cutting back on our skincare or spending all of our time. And I know you feel the same way, like talking about spending money in our skincare. There are more important conversations we all need to be having. Certainly. What do you think uh, is the best advice men are getting that women aren't getting? Mm. It's not necessarily the best advice, but it almost feels like something that's so inherent Men have nothing but the audacity. And I hate to be the one to tell you that because it means that they make more money than you. They have a better job than you. They are doing more with their career than you are. Because when you go on LinkedIn and you're looking for a job and that job has 10 requirements, 10 bulleted requirements, we as women don't apply unless we hit seven, eight, nine of those points. Every man I know would hit three of the bullets and be like, who's better than me? I got this. I am the man for the job. And it it like bewilders me because I'm like, what would possibly make you think you're qualified to do this? But as it turns out, they are applying for these jobs and oftentimes they are getting them. And listen, this isn't some anti-man rhetoric that are like, women are more skilled than men. I, no, no, no. I'm saying we are equally unskilled. But these we're all just out here trying to figure it out. We are all here just trying to like keep afloat. We are equally unskilled. But if a man who is equally unskilled as you is getting this job, why are women not applying for these jobs? When you hit three of those four bullets, three of the 10 bullets, apply, do it, Mm -hmm. just do it. Like Mm -hmm. swing for those fences because if you shoot for the moon, you will land among the stars. We are, we are telling ourselves no before someone else even has. We say yeah. things like, oh, I'd like a raise, but if not, that's okay. Why, why did you say that? It's not okay. Just ask for your raise and shut up. That's so interesting because I think that same kind of perfectionism that is very pervasive among females, men have it, men suffer from it too, you know, poor guys, but yeah, women definitely me. are raised to feel like they have to be perfect and that perfectionism is in every part of our lives. It is exactly what's happening. We're like, oh, I only hit nine of the 10 bullets you know, I'm not that great at Excel. I'm not going to apply. It's that same quality that makes us probably more likely to suffer from lifestyle creep because we feel like we have to have everything to maintain this image of who the world is expecting us to be. So in terms of lifestyle creep, if you do not have an emergency fund and if you look at your finances and realize that even though over the years you've made more money, but you don't have any more saved or invested or money that is going to take care of future you, that's probably a red flag that you are experiencing lifestyle creep. If you get asked to do activities from friends that you immediately get this feeling in your gut and you're like, I don't know if I can afford to do that, but then you do it anyway, it's probably lifestyle creep. You should be able to tell your friends that you can't go. And I think in terms of how we can be brave, it's by making sure that we demand our worth. Mm -hmm. Like I mentioned, it's always easier to make more money than it is to scrimp and save and squeeze out extra money from your budget. You need to be asking for a raise every single year. If you are not, odds are good you're being paid less this year than you were last year because maybe you don't get a raise at all. Y'all know what inflation is right now? Some places are giving two to 3% inflation raises. I'm like, you guys, inflation's like, 
it was eight to nine percent. Now it's closer to like seven percent. It's like still very, very high. You're not yeah. making it's above five. Yeah. So it's it's hard, but you need to essentially train yourself to feel comfortable asking for what you're worth, asking for what you want. And the fact of the matter is, is if you don't get what you want, you should ask again. And if you still don't get what you want, maybe the best decision is to leave because Mm -hmm. someone out there is going to value you for what you're worth and is going to pay you your worth. And by making more money, it's going to make your life a lot easier. You're going to feel a lot more Mm -hmm. comfortable and you're going to be on your way to financial success a lot faster. So all of these things are better for you. Why would you ever do something that is not in your best interest? So don't be afraid to make that ask. The worst thing they say Mm -hmm. is no. Mm -hmm. I think it's really hard to give kind of generalized investment advice. I just never find it to be that helpful. Mm -hmm. So my question is looking like taking everything you kind of talked about, it feels like just kind of mapping out your current situation is such a valuable place to start. And I'm like, okay, what if you just like took a month and like didn't buy that thing for a month and gave yourself sort of this like period to figure out your finances? Are there like apps, tools? What do you use to kind of get it all laid out nice and neatly in front of you? Yeah, certainly. I am old school. I take my credit card bill and I go through with a highlighter. Like I'm hardcore. My mom would love that. Um, I know a lot of people use Excel. I know a lot of people who use like a mint or a, um, you need a budget or there's so many options. The The most important thing is that you find a tool that works for you mm-hmm. because the best budgeting strategy and the best budgeting tool or app or whatever is the one that you'll actually stick to because budgeting is not something that you do for one month. Like it's not dry January. Budgeting <laughs> is something that you should be doing through the rest of your life And it should be something that's actually really fun because when you budget properly, when you budget for your future, you have money to go to that Mm -hmm. Italian summer vacation. You have money to make sure your eyelashes are fluffy every two, three weeks. (laughs) Have that money. And it is so nice, that feeling of being able to swipe your credit card or pay for something. And there is no doubt in your mind that you have the money to cover it. On today's show, you heard me in conversation with Vivian too. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. This episode was edited, scripted, and mastered by Haley Pascalides and produced by Taylor Camille, Abby Stone, and myself, Ella Dove, along with many other hands and brains here at Well and Good. Our theme music was created by Madeline Lekomsky and Matt Dynamenico, and our show art was designed by Jenna Gibson and Karina Masonette.